2: His professed retirement from the podcast. This was maybe the sole purpose of being in Arizona. We had to find out what's what when it came to Mike Hazen, obviously, general manager of the Arizona Diamondbacks. Obviously, he had been in the podcast, but had made this bet on the podcast during the World Series or bet or proclamation saying that if the Arizona Diamondbacks won the World Series, that he would be available to come on morning, noon, night, anytime. But if they didn't, he was retiring from coming on the podcast. But as I point out, retirement doesn't exactly mean what it used to be because of what Mad Dog Russo said about retiring. If Diamond Max made the World Series, you know this story. So we had to figure out what's what. What was Mike Hazen's mindset? And also the story behind the story when it came to his baseball isn't boring induced superstition during the world series all right so before we get to the other stuff the other gms talking about trading and understanding their team before they trade all that let
3: me give you my case here you go all right congratulations on everything thank you um (laughs) <laughs> we, uh, I thought I had, had led you to the promised land. Wait, are you snuckering me into doing your podcast again? No, this is no, this is just a couple guys talking. Oh, geez, this, That was underhanded. The, there's no microphone here. This is like the fifth time of, when do I get like a frequent well, well, flyer, this, this like is, a this, podcast This is guest. people honestly like the immediately after they lost. Oh, this is not no oh, lie. That's great. I had, the, the only thing I got out of this so far is a dumb sticker. I wasn't so dumb for a game, one game, well, In- well, In- for, yeah, a couple, for a couple, a yeah. couple games. Yeah. But immediately after, I had more people say, "Please, please convince Mike Hazen to not retire from the podcast." I'm not even lying. You are so good. You are so. so every- this is it. This is the last one. This is the. This is the. Everybody the- knows that retiring doesn't mean anything now, right? Yeah. All right. I'll consider unretiring in the future, but for right now, consider me retired. Yeah, this is it. This is the get your last questions in. Can Can I just tell you yes. how how honored I was that you thought about that sticker throughout the World Series? Yeah, but that, that shows a level of neuro like neurotic. I know like, we talked yeah, about that. Yeah, that's not good. No, it's not healthy. It's, well, I mean, it might be entertaining for people. It probably reached not. the heights in the World Series, right? Like, your superstitious stuff? Your prognostications in the CS oh, we, were, were, ended up coming to fruition. Yeah, so cases. you believe me, so... I didn't. I did not believe you. No, no, no. After yes, uh, we, after won't it, yes. Right. After we won't go into details. Right, right. We won't go into details. I yes. told you what was gonna. You this did. is no lie. You I did. told you what was gonna happen before game one. You did. That is it, a fact. And it came to fruition, it and it led you to go the World Series. So you tend tro- to believe tr- in a stupid sticker you after trusted that. Me. Yes, which did not work out well. So to set the scene, after game one loss, I had stickers, baseballs and boring stickers. I gave one to Tori, and he put it in his hat. I gave one to you. You put in your jacket. Correct. And I gave one to Amiel. I don't know what he did with it. But you won. Tori immediately gets up to the press conference and looks in his hat. He knows this is a powerful thing. You know it's a powerful thing. You lose after game three. And you like, I called my mother. And I told her, when, before you come to the game, I left it at home. There's something in the breast pocket of my jacket that I need you to get. And bring to the you didn't st- tell her what it was. No, and bring it to the stadium. She went in my closet. She's like, I can't find it anywhere. Where? What pocket? She's like, so finally we figured out where it was. She got it. She brought it in. My son brought it down to me in my office before the game. And you felt better about yourself. I did until we got pasted in that game. That was game four. Yeah, we lost eleven to seven. We were down eleven to nothing. But I said, I think I told you stick with it. I did not you, you didn't? That was it? Completely Well abandoned. I mean I, That's I, how it works My, my responsibility really is done Just going to Abandon this podcast uh, Again That is not factual uh, As we know All retirements Don't mean anything okay. now. Yeah. Um, But sincerely Congratulations With everything Thank you Have you uh, Feel good? Feel good about everything No Now no, I feel behind Oh do you really? Yes for 2024 Yes Okay Yeah well I didn't do anything For 30 days Other than look at our roster And make sure nobody was injured and bad. Nothing and fly cross-country. You don't want the distraction of... I can't focus. It's, it's, a, it's, a, okay. it's an attention thing. I don't have it for very long. Okay. So that's yeah. So like hyper-focused. So on. do you feel overwhelmed now? Not overwhelmed. Oh, just yeah. normally anxious about getting started on the off-season. Okay. The last thing I'm going to ask is something I asked a couple guys. And it has to do with when you take over an organization... And I think I talked to you a little about this when you take over the organization The first few days, you said um, I think you made you made a trade early on, right? Yeah, within three weeks. Yes. So you yeah. probably how much what percentage of the organization? I'm not talking about people in the cubicles, like, but I'm talking about like the players. How much percentage did you know? Like, did, did you feel you had a good handle uh, of that of the of the people in the office? No, 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 uh, no. The players. Like, oh, very little. Right. So, yes, very, so little. when you're making, you have to make trades. It's yes. an uneasy feeling. It is right? an uneasy feeling. But you made trades. We and did. You have to rely on other people. You have to rely yeah. on the scattering reports that they have. And your process definitely changes over the course of time, probably within a year. Mm. But yes, you, it was it was yeah. uneasy, but it, I mean, it is but what it, is. this entire job could be uneasy. How long, how long did it take you to feel where you sort of had a handle yeah. on your organization? Probably about a year. Okay. Probably about a year. Probably the cycle through watching your minor league teams play, your major league team play, getting understanding who your coaches and scouts were. Probably the end of that next season. Okay. Alright. We'll see you in a week. Alright. <laughs> All right.
2: Mike Aizen. There you go. We'll see him back in a couple days, probably. Always good to hear from Mike. So, there's a lot of new GMs. There's a lot of people trying to figure out what's what. There's a lot of people in different positions and front offices, but that doesn't mean that there aren't going to be trades. There are going to be trades, and things are just percolating when it comes to the trade talk, the back-and-forth banter. That's what the GM meetings usually represent as everyone mills around the Omni Scottsdale. So what I want to know and we touched on this a little bit with Derek Falvey of the Twins. Is how do you feel confident in the trades? Well, here's what Craig Breslow said. Craig Breslow, obviously one of these new guys who's in a position in the front office. Do you feel comfortable in making a trade in your limited time with the organization and knowing, just knowing, maybe not knowing exactly what you have? in that organization when making the trade so here's what he said
3: given that you're still familiarizing yourself with the organization mm-hmm. trade opportunity becomes available now When you feel comfortable like do you feel like you would feel you like you are in a position to be able to you know hold to be able to make decisions of yes or no i do um you know the reality is trades are made with imperfect and incomplete information even if i had been here for 10 years there's projection and forecasting involved and there's Collaboration across multiple people in multiple departments, but uh, I've done everything that I can to get up to speed as quickly as possible. Recognize that there are others in the organization who are familiar with our internal players, um, but I, I do feel comfortable executing if we have the right uh, the right opportunity in mind. Derek Falvey said yesterday, so it took him a couple of years to get past like I have to like the paranoia of losing a trade of. And um, for you, what did you learn going watching Chicago and about trades, about how they're done, and, and sort of maybe getting past that? that you, you know, that it is a risk. It, it is a risk. I think that's yeah. exactly. I think that's exactly what I learned. Um, you know, they don't all work out. If you wait for the perfect trade, you will likely never transact. Um, you know, so I think these jobs require uh, kind of decisiveness and boldness and conviction um, and also the humility to recognize you're not going to win everyone.
2: So this is a con- con- common theme. This is a common theme among the GMs who have gone through this. So we wanted to talk to a few different GMs about this sort of topic. So talk to Ben Sherrington, the Pittsburgh Pirates, which always a good time when he comes on. New Marlins head man, Peter Bendix he talks about it. I mean he's been on, he was on the job 3 days when we talked to him. And then I'm going to finish it off with the Dave Dombrowski conversation which includes which includes that covers that part of what we're talking about trades and when he knew You know, he felt comfortable as he's gonna point out. It took him a little bit. He made he did the proclamation, which is we in two thousand fifteen after taking over the Red Sox going to the GM meetings. We are going to trade for a closer and we are going to sign an ace. Well, it's not that simple now, but you you get the idea. He also had some news along the way. So I'm gonna give you these three three chief decision makers in a row. Ben Sherrington, Peter Bendix. And then Dave Dombrowski. All good stuff. I want everybody to subscribe, rate, review. Please, subscribe, rate, review. At BB isn't boring. Twitter, Instagram account. What a day we had yesterday. Holy mackerel. What a day. Scott Boris and Christopher Troy, C C T Troy Story. Obviously, we had oh, a lot of American League GMs on as well yesterday. We gave you the Dombrowski interview. We gave you the Breslow interview. We gave all this stuff, all of it, and we're going to keep it coming. All right, well, here you go. Like I said, talking about some trades and a little bit of other stuff, we have Ben Sherrington, Peter Bendix, and then Dave Dombrowski. So when you entered
1: into...
3: Pirates, how long did it feel? Well, what was your first trade?
4: First trade was Marte, with Marte. And how deep into your? That was pretty. That was the first offseason. Um, but we did intentionally decide not to do not to do much that first year. We we decided that Marte. We were at a point with Marte just where it was in his contract that where the team was. We felt like that's probably one we need to consider. Um, but beyond that, you know, intentionally decided not to do so
3: that's what it's, that. That's interesting, like I said. Like, you get you get through an organization, and you're trying to know everything, yeah. right? And I've had to talk to a couple of people, and they felt like it probably took a year
4: before you afforded, got, got a really good handle on them. Is that for you? I think a year is as good an answer as you can get. Um, the first year for me, it was a pandemic, so it made it a little bit more challenging. Oh, than, yeah just had so much less information coming in. Yeah. And we could it was just it was so much so hard to like observe people's work too. In a lot of cases yeah, this is a bad
3: this is a bad question,
4: yeah. But I think a year is as good a good an answer as I can I think. Yeah.
3: So when you is there I mean I was gonna say is there an uneasiness when you do take like it's an excitement, right? But an uneasiness because you have to get the no, the people in the cubicles, but the people, obviously the players. Mm-hmm. An uneasiness, like and you have to build a team. And you're saying we don't want to make too many trades because we, we want to see what we have, but still you want to build a team.
4: Is there an uneasiness at all in that dynamic? For sure. I mean, I remember, um, I think Pittsburgh was, my experience, Pittsburgh was quite different than my experience in Boston, or probably anyone's experience in Boston would be, and, um, you yeah, know, because the, the sort of dynamic around the team's going to be different. I remember my first offseason, um, definitely fighting that, you know, the feeling the tension between, and now I had been there, I'd worked there, so I did know people pretty well, but feeling that tension between, okay, Thank you know
1: needing to act and
4: do something versus, okay, like, what do we want our process to be? How do I learn how to do this job? Be patient. Definitely felt that tension. Um, I think by the time I got to Pittsburgh, I was both hopefully more mature in handling that and also just different circumstances. So You had was some tough, to like, pick it back, man. You had some tough decisions. Yeah, we had the... Um, we had the Ortiz thing. Oh, I remember uh, seeing you at the Pinoy. Yeah. The, the Ortiz, Ortiz arbitration. I <laughs> yeah. uh, was actually just talking to Frank Uza this morning about something else. Yeah. We were reminding each other of that. We had that thing. You know, we had, I think, we were also, at that time, the roster was like relatively stable and f- mature and we were trying to kind of build around the edges and support it and you know try to try to win that way and looking back obviously made you know made some decisions that didn't work out so i think probably a good lesson that um, that first off season it's, it's hard you know you're just you're dealing with a lot even even if you've been in a place you're dealing with a things different you know new things for the first time. And, um, it's 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 not always the best time to make major decisions um, probably more clear on that now than I was 12 years ago the when do you you made a you made
3: some major decisions yeah especially one in August right eventually yeah right so by then and we're talking about the uh, back in Martinez and whatever Martins, Gonzalez um, Carl Crawford Nick Punto we don't want to leave them Um, But that trade, by the time you get to that point, do you feel, that's a tough trade, but do you feel more confident in your trade-making
4: ability? You know, do you understand? Uh, I don't think I felt more confident in my trade-making ability. By August of 2012, but I definitely felt more confident in our assessment of the team okay. and what needed to happen to give us a chance to be better. I felt more, definitely felt more confident in that, mm-hmm. and that that led to the confidence in that trade. Not more confidence in myself to like get a trade right, but more confident that okay, we can't just like close our eyes, you know, and like hope this yeah yeah gets better.
3: So, and, and then we referenced what you did in 2013, not only because it won the World Series, but the dynamic of the clubhouse, the dynamic of p- getting the right pieces together. And and I don't know if if you knew that because you did it, but since then, it's a conversation we continue to have. I referenced it, you know, with the Phillies this year. I walked into that clubhouse and I was like, this reminded me of that. Yeah, And so as a team builder, I would imagine you probably look back at the clubhouse dynamic of having the right pieces. And you did it again this year. I mean, I remember talking to our friend Rich Hill. He's like, you know, Santana and McCutcheon and, and you know, Hedges and, you know, so that's probably stuck with you a little bit, right? I would imagine.
4: Yeah, Or, it has, or you know. it has, but it still goes back to, and I think you and I have talked about this before, that when you're in that clubhouse and you see it and you feel it, it's real. And You know, I I heard the same thing about the Phillies Clubhouse this year. It's real. Um, The harder thing is predicting how to build that. Who who are the individual people and players that are going to create that? Mm. Um, It's a harder thing to predict than it is to
0: kind of see when
4: it's actually happening. It's a real thing, but harder to actually predict. Did you, when you, I just mentioned the guys, right? And it
3: was what's unique, and I don't know if you tried But you had different positions to guide almost every sort of slot, right? Was that a conscious thing? Like where you say, you know, okay, you know, we have, you know, the veteran pitcher, we have the catcher, the the first baseman, the the outfielder. Or did it just sort of that
4: back in 2013 or no no this year this past year no I think it was just that's a total function of where the roster is and where the opportunities are okay you know this is we need a catcher you know we need this we need that and um I was giving you way too much credit yeah don't give me any credit uh no, I think it, I think, I think, I, but I think, you know, in some ways that happened in Boston in 2013, too, is it, you know, wasn't intentional that it was like a reliever and a starter and, a, you know, this and that, but that, those were the needs of the team. So it ended up adding to all those spots. All right. right, so I Keep giving you credit. I, I'm going to, I'm going to keep pushing back and I'm going to keep saying No. Don't give me credit. Uh, well, as Theo used to say, uh, right? we are not. Uh, well, I'll give you t shirts instead.
1: Well, I need to learn how the department is run before I decide whether I want to change it. But it's a really important part of any team's success at this point, just like scouting is, just like player development is. We have to make all of those things as strong as possible. Hey Rob Bradford, Hi. how are you, too? Congratulations! Thank you. Um, so we've been talking to Craig
3: Breslow from yeah. the guy, new guy perspective. We talked to David Ambroski from "Remember when you've had to do this all over again." Yeah. does it feel like you're drinking from a firehouse a little bit? That's the exact phrase that I've used multiple times. All right, yes. all right well, I don't, I don't <laughs> yes. want to, I don't want to do, I want to be original. Yeah, but, you know, well,
1: it's an accurate description. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. So is it what you thought it would be? Because you know, mm-hmm. like Dave said,
1: like he made trades right away. Yeah, he said he had to lean on a lot of people. I'm very much leaning on people for Uh, everything. I will continue to do so. That's that's how I would like to run the organization. But especially at this point, there's really good people who are... Here with the Marlins right now, and they have institutional knowledge. They have recent knowledge. All of these things that I uh, lean on that a lot.
3: How much? So we asked Craig Breslow this question: How mm-hmm. confident, if you had to make a trade, how would it yeah. be? And he's like, you know, I'm pretty confident. Yeah. How, how
1: confident are you? I mean, because this is a time where yeah. you make trades. Yeah. I you're always dealing with incomplete information yeah, uh, when you're said. making yeah, trades, yeah. Yeah. right? And the information I have now is probably a little more incomplete than I'm used to, mm. just by virtue of this being day three on. A job, but also, the Marlins organization has made some really good trades recently without me, and I'm going to be leaning on that, the people here, and the information here, and just looking to build on that.
3: Mm. How is is it? I don't know if it's uneasy feeling. in this human nature, right? Yeah. Is it an uneasy feeling? I mean, it's an yeah. exciting feeling yeah. because like it's a new job and yeah.
1: exciting. But is it uneasy too? I wouldn't call it uneasy. It's very different. Yeah. Right. It's very different to be here with so many people I know and love with the Rays, but to not be a Ray. It's yeah. very different to be sitting at a different table, but. I, you know, I've been in baseball for 15 years, uh, was a GM for a couple of years. This is a very different role, but it's also familiar circumstances, familiar people, and that helps make it a little bit more comfortable.
3: What is the thing that you're most looking forward to enacting? Like, the, you know, because a lot of great trades, a lot of great things about the Marlins, yeah. right? But
1: for you, what is the thing that you're looking forward to enacting the most? I would love to really build on the culture and the people in place. Mm -hmm. I'm learning what that culture is, and that's certainly not a bad thing. But I love working in a place where I enjoy everybody around me, and we all have fun. It makes the success more sweet. It makes the losses easier to deal with, and to know that I'll have some ability to help input that culture on the organization—that's that's really exciting. It's funny you say that. I think I was talking to Kyle Snyder, and he said that was one of the biggest differences with the Rays. Yeah,
3: that it's like this feeling of from top to bottom, this community and culture and everything. And yeah, and obviously we all try to. You try to do that. I mean, every team tries to do that, but. Like, so, but you probably have an idea of like, well, if we do this here, this will impact it there,
1: right? That's certainly my hope. And I'll make lots of mistakes along the way and learn along the way. But that's kind of the end goal that I see. Um, and just trying every day to take steps towards that.
3: Going, going back to getting to know an organization, looking back, how long did you feel it took where you had a pretty good handle on it? Like Alex said, I mean, that deal, the Kimbrel deal, right? The Kimbrel deal was pretty quick but how, how long did it take to really feel like, okay,
5: I know, well, I don't have to rely so much on other people? Well, I think it takes about a year. Mm-hmm. Because, when you know, when you join an organization, like when I joined the Red Sox or I joined the Tigers before that or now here, um, I had a little bit more of an advantage with the Red Sox because I came in a couple months, you know, the middle of
0: August. So I had a little bit of a pulse of... Be a pro with AC Pro.
5: To talk to people, and of course, you're doing a lot of homework and reading reports, and even had a chance to go to instructional league at that time in Arizona Fall League, so you had that advantage. But I think really it takes you about a whole year to be in a position where you get a chance to see all your players play, talk to all your individuals. You don't even know your own um, personnel all that well at that point; you're mm-hmm. just learning them. So. Um, you want to learn that. So I think it takes about a year. Now that's for me. Maybe somebody sure. else has a whole different pulse of that, but now I was fortunate because a lot of the people at the time, it's even like when I was with the Phillies organization, people had been with the organization for an extended period and then we had some good people that I could depend upon. And the same thing happened when I was with the Red Sox and the Tigers, so um, you know, it's like when I joined them, Well, Mike Hazen was with us and very good uh, baseball man, good, good judgment as well as others. But he, he gave me a lot of feedback on our young players at there. time. But even with that
3: incomplete you. information, you were still sure. comfortable making trades. Like, do sure. You,
5: uh, is it well, important? Is it important to accept risk? Yeah. Is yeah. Well, if you're not, you're person. probably not going to make big trades. Yeah. That's just the way it is. I mean, if you're not willing to take some risk, you're gonna you're not going to make some. You're not going to make a lot of deals probably, because if you're going to only make deals that are slanted towards you. Um, being definitely in a favorable position other clubs know what they're doing too, so it's one, usually trades, if you're making them, hurt a little bit, right? I mean, you don't like to give up good players, young players, but um, yeah, I think it's a situation where um, there's some risk involved, but you just try to do the most thorough hey, we traded players this past year I traded that, not thrilled them to do it, but you know, as I've often expressed to people it's hard to Try to win and make deals, and not trade any players. <laughs> I, I haven't figured that one out yet um, personally, no matter where I've been. so yeah you you have to take a risk, and hey, sometimes they work and sometimes they don't, but you hope that they work a lot more than that they don't. But you do the best job you possibly can, and you go, and that's what it's all about. but yeah, I mean it's you'd rather have the player you're acquiring and all the prospects, but it just doesn't work that way doesn't the way it is. Do you think that teams across baseball, the way they interact with risk, has changed over the last 15, 20 years or so? I think so. And how, have to, what way have they I, I think um, the scrutiny has become so much more. I mean, 15, 20 years ago, um, the knowledge of prospects wasn't out there like it is now so people look at that information so they have all their and it doesn't it doesn't mean that the information that you're reading about those prospects is accurate but that the general people think it's accurate so with that becomes more scrutiny a lot of people say why would you trade this guy How, well maybe 20 years ago they wouldn't even have known who those prospects were so I think that 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 uh, makes a difference me. I'll, I'll, I'll feel like take that been... as a slight against my prospect. No, no, you're all, you're other than you. You're always right on. You're always right. You're okay, good to see you. Does it
3: feel like it's been harder to trade for pitching? Like trade deadline and
5: have uh, well, our conversations? Yeah, well, I, th- I think it's harder because um, one thing that's ended up happening, and it's like there, I mean, when I go back to the trading deadline, there were more clubs that were in it than normally, trying yeah. to make a playoff spot so when that's the case then they're in a position where they're trying to make the postseason yep it's supply and demand it's the same thing as always so you have less supply because there's just more clubs that are trying to get <coughs> and you know you need pitching if you're going to make it you have to have pitching so people are less apt to give it up <laughs> and also sometimes the cost is more and you don't want to yeah. pay that up at the cost <laughs> so I feel like at the
3: beginning of this offseason though I mean it seems like there's more less rebuilding teams maybe fewer you know, like, I, so, to so far yeah I, I yeah. think
5: that that's from what I hear I mean. In and we're just getting a pulse of it this week, Mark, because we just finished quickly before this, right. is that, uh, I mean, I, from what I hear compared to most years, there's not many clubs that are saying, Let's, we're thinking about 25, 26. Uh, there's very few clubs that really are making those type of statements. Most of them have some pulse that they want to try to get in. And I think also what probably shows is that, okay, over the last couple of years, if you get in, Anything can happen. Mm-hmm. So we were the sixth seed in the National League two years ago, and we we're in the World Series. The Arizona was the sixth seed this past year; they got in, they went to the World Series. Um, Texas, they were, you know, didn't win a division. So I, I mean, it's a situation where I think when people see that, they think that they have a shot, and it really evolves always around. You need to have pitching if you're going to be there.
3: Well, speaking of that, does Scott mention this for us? Other people that teams are looking not just for two, but one, but for two, like. Usually, it's, we need a pitcher. No, we need two. You guys used three, basically. Arizona used three. It was hard to find a team in the playoffs that used four. Does that coincide with what you're talking about here? Teams aren't? They're looking for
5: several. Well, I can't speak for that. I can only speak for what we're looking for, which is we're looking for one. But I, I think it becomes a little misleading because... The way the postseason is now, yeah. it's different than the way it used to be, mm-hmm. and so when you have the first round of being the wildcard round, and then you go into the divisional round, which is three out of five, well, you're always going to you use need your three. better guys, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then unfortunately, by the time you get to where you need a fourth, it's been so long since they pitched, it becomes a tricky conversation for you, because... It's hard to start somebody, I mean when we got to the fourth starter spot it was 24 days, I think it wasn't since we used one, so it becomes a little trickier than it used to, so before you used to just boom, you'd play best of five and then you'd go right into it, well now we're fortunate that we won our first two games, So now we can use the same pitchers once again. Then you win. You don't have to even go to game five, which we still, with the off days mixed in there, and this year in the National League in particular, we had so many off days. Right, right. So all of a sudden, by the time you need that guy, and then some guys, I mean, Walker would have been a natural guy for us. We like Walker. He had a good year, but he hadn't pitched in such a long time, and he isn't the type of guy that you could, um, in one of the early... Earlier rounds, just say, okay, we're going to give him an yeah, inning because yeah, yeah, he yeah. takes a long He's a starter, sure, sure, so it sure, takes sure. a long time to. So it's a little bit trickier in that regard. We, like, we feel comfortable with four of our guys. Okay. Good. Going back to your directness, you said sure. you want to get a starter.
3: What else would you like to get? And a year ago, and you you did a great job of putting together the pieces, you know, like a guy like Matt Strom, it mm-hmm. fit really well. So, what, as we sit here right now, what would you
5: like to get? Well, really, our starting pitch is our main. Um, I mean, we don't lose many guys. We lost Lorenzen, who was our sixth starter at mm-hmm. that time. Um, you know, Hoskins, which we talked about with moving Harper over to first base. And then Kimbrell in the bullpen. But we have some young guys. You know, we have quite a few bullpen guys even at this time. We brought a young kid up, Kirkering, that we really like, mm-hmm. and we think he's ready to pitch. So I think the way I would look at it is that we're more in a position where we're talking about trying to help our start pitching. That, <laughs> and then we'll kind of go from there. But I don't really... We, Fortunately, and haven't always been in this, we don't have a lot of other holes. Hmm. You can always get better, but I think those are things that we'll address as the time goes on and see who's available and who's not as, as the winter progresses. Thank you, Dave. Sure. Good to see you. Good to see you, Rob. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it.